Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Story Not Forgotten podcast, brought to you as always by Capturing Legacies. Because everyone has a story to tell, we're here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies and your host. Joining me today is a musician, multi-instrumental musician, singer, songwriter, uh, just all-round... producer, all things, I don't know. All-round entertainer. Yeah. Uh, Neil Gregory Gunhold. Yep. All right, without any ado, why don't you tell us a story? Sounds good. Um, yeah, I was uh, thinking before we uh, before we were doing this as to what kind of story I was going to tell because I have a few G-rated ones and a few very, very, very not G-rated ones. But in my life, I have always said that someday I'm going to get old and the only real value in my life will be the stories I can tell to young people and <laughs> nobody wants to hear stories about the really smart things you didn't do. So therefore, here is one of the dumber things that I have ever done. <laughs> And you are going to put a content warning on this, of yeah, course. Strong content Very warning. Strong content warning. That would be ideal. Um, when I was, I guess, about 16, um, my mother wanted me to get a job. And well, I guess I was 15, yeah, 16. And I took my acoustic guitar out and went busking. And you got to remember, this is the mid-90s, early 90s, when minimum wage was about five bucks. And I discovered that busking was making me about 30 bucks an hour. So I was like, all right, well, screw a real job. I'm going to busk. And busking wound up becoming a very, very large piece of both my income and my life. I met a lot of people doing it, many people who are now business contacts and so on and so forth. But in addition to that, because it was my social life, I liked to, once I turned 18, he says, winkingly, um, (laughs) add... Occasionally, some chemical excitement to the whole process. Uh, There was a night, um, I recall, where I had agreed I was going to finish busking. I I busked on Prince's Island at the time. And I was going to finish busking and go meet with a couple of friends whose names I shall not include because I'm sure that they might be uncomfortable with this. Anyways, uh, and... So, identities protected. Do you protect the somewhat less less than innocent? Protected, yes. (laughs) Um, I was going to go meet them at a cafe called the Mermaid for an open jam. And as I was walking towards this open jam with the intention of going to Electric Avenue, and I don't know if anybody has been in Calgary long enough, Electric Avenue used to be the highest concentration of bars in North America for a short period of time. It was 11th Avenue downtown, and there were like 25 bars, and it was a great place to busk late at night on a weekend. As I was going towards the Mermaid Cafe, I encountered an old friend of mine who just happened to be a drug dealer, and he specifically told me that the RCMP were on his tail, and he was going to have to be leaving town, but that he had an entire sheet of LSD. (laughs) And he was damn well going to finish it tonight. (laughs) Would I like some? And I thought about that for approximately 0.3 seconds. And I was like, yeah, sure. So 
he popped a couple of those into my mouth. I proceeded to the Mermaid Cafe, where within a good solid hour, I started having angry conversations with the stool that I was sitting on. <laughs> Although apparently I performed exceptionally well during the jam. <laughs> Halfway through the jam, a gentleman whose name was Pascal, he was a hitchhiker coming in from Quebec, joined me on, um, on hand drums. And in addition to this, my drug dealer friend also made his way down to the Mermaid Cafe. And um, somewhere about halfway through the jam, my friend came up and told me to open my mouth and slapped a little bit more LSD into my open maw, as it were, um, and I started getting really, really high. Now, it has to be said that I have never been a person, don't, I'm going to, I'm going to put a, a uh, caveat on this. I don't do drugs anymore. It has been a very long time since <laughs> I've done drugs. This was me as a much younger man. I am now middle-aged, and I don't think I could do this kind of thing to my body anymore. Also, kids, it's, quote, bad, unquote. Uh, <laughs> So I wound up with Pascal, and I guess I was on about four tabs of LSD by this point, and we proceeded down to 11th Avenue to start busking together. Um, my friend, the drug dealer, gave me a pair of yellow, sunshiny sunglasses that made the entire world look golden and amazing and continually kept coming back while I was playing and telling me to open my mouth and putting more <laughs> drugs into it. Now, normally I would say this is a bad thing, and every now and then, though, things will work out amazingly well. I wound up doing very, very well that night, even splitting the money with Pascal. I would end up making about $400 that night, although how I found that out is for the end of the story. Um... <laughs> Lots of people whom I had wanted to see or who were old friends or people who, you know, I just had random interactions with over the previous several years all seemed to show up all at the same time. We had a giant dancing circle in front of us, in front of the bar. Um, and when it was over, we proceeded, uh, by the time it was over, by the way, I was on nine and a half tabs of LSD. We proceeded to Husky House, which was an all-night breakfast place on 12th Avenue, where the entire building was melting. Uh, this, of course, was in my own perspective. Uh, I know that the building is still there, although it's something else now. Um, tried to eat breakfast, and one of the problems is that when I was on drugs, I found myself incapable of eating. Uh, and the reason was because I was always unsure if maybe I might be chewing on my tongue. But one of the things that occurred at this point was that for some reason in my very sick, twisted, broken mind, I thought, hey, whatever, if I'm eating my tongue, it's good protein. <laughs> now this led to the next small issue as we were leaving Husky House and walking across the road. Um, we saw a young woman, actually a pair of young women, sitting on the corner at the max, um, and one of them had clearly been attacked, had been, I don't know, either an accident or a fight or something, but to be honest with you, a large chunk of her face was hanging by a thread on the side. Um, 
Now, normally this would be horrifying, and for those of you who have never done large amounts of hallucinogenic drugs, the thing about them is that you are actually sane for brief periods of time, and then you're making yourself insane. And as the moral of the story went, I looked at this young woman, and in what had to be a flash of maybe two or three milliseconds, I had all of the following thoughts. <laughs> First off, I realized that I had advanced first aid, that poor young woman should be laying on her back with her feet elevated, and that I could possibly help. And the second thought that occurred to my mind was, I shouldn't do any of those things, because at some random point I might look at her face and decide that looks tasty and <laughs> eat it. Now, many people have commented on when you're doing drugs that you'll have momentary revelations, like you'll see God and he'll tell you to go to Turkey, or <laughs> you know, you'll suddenly understand how all humankind is one thing. I had the first and only drug revelation that I ever had that I, I came to much later and realized was absolutely true. And what I realized was why powerful hallucinogenic drugs were illegal. <laughs> Um, and sort of the, the, the whole thought that came to me at this moment, and it was, it was in a very, very rapid, rapid fire of, of neurons exploding one to another, I realized that we as a society have a basic social contract. And that basic social contract doesn't necessarily state that you are 100% safe everywhere you go as a person who chooses to walk down the dark alley in the dangerous part of town late at night, you, you understand that there is the possibility that you may be attacked, the possibility that you know bad things could happen to you. And we, we understand that in society, we do have to take care of ourselves to an extent. But we also realize why we put insane people in safe places. <laughs> And that what I realized was that by taking drugs, this quantity of these particular drugs, I had turned myself into the kind of crazy person who might just eat you. <laughs> now, this wasn't a disturbing revelation to me, if I have to be honest with you. I thought this was fantastic and very exciting, and I proceeded to have a wonderful evening for the rest of the night. But at the same time... <laughs> I, I did have this clear revelation that I was defying the social contract. And, and of course, I had been one of those people who was always like, well, drugs should all be legal. Everything should be fine. And that was the point when I went, well, maybe some drugs should be legal. But I can clearly understand why maybe some are completely against the social contract. As far as the end of the story is concerned, I took a cab home. It turned into a rocket ship. <laughs> Um, when I found myself later the next day, I was in the dark, in the bath, in my clothes, the water was cold, and I had over $400 in cash and change, uh, in my shirt, in my underwear, in my boots and socks. Um, but I didn't have my wallet. And the interesting thing about this was that my wallet had the, my keys on them and I still have no idea how I got into my apartment that night. I will never understand that. Uh, I received a phone call from Coconut Joe's, which was a bar down there that day, and they had my wallet, which seemed very strange to me because I know I did not go into any bars. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, that, that wound up being kind of that. And as I said, uh, 
I, I got a good story out of it. I got a lot of fun. I made a lot of money. I did end up getting my wallet back. Nothing was stolen. And you didn't I need anybody? No, I didn't need anybody. <laughs> and I feel that I learned a valuable lesson about society and, well, chemicals. <laughs> so that was my very much not G-rated story. I have some G-rated ones too, but I decided they would be less fun. <laughs> Well, that certainly was a story. It was definitely that. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that certain experiences throughout it uh, have inspired certain songs over the years. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes, certain chunks have. So we'll, we'll try to track down uh, one of those songs to, uh, to finish out the show with. Songs, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time for, uh, for sharing that with us. No problems, man. Everybody has a story to tell. Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell them. Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more info. Until next time, thank you and good night. Get to